Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Half Street High Heat. I'm your host, Dick. You can follow me on Twitter at the Coach Moose, and I am joined once again by my good friend Trey. You can follow him on Twitter at Reverse. Put it in Reverse, Trey, because that's where you can find him. Trey, what's going on? Excellent reference there, Nick. Uh, Thank you. Uh, that is definitely a video that I very much enjoy. Absolute <laughs> classic. Um, but yes, we're back. On the first baseman this week, pretty excited about this group. It's a yep. little bit different. There's not as much as much young talent, but there are veterans who are still doing their thing. So I'm pretty excited to get into it. Yeah, like everyone on this list is pretty established for the most part. Like catchers, there's a bunch of you said young guys, but you know, so, or um, with that comes like up and comers, right? They are coming into their own. Whereas first base, like the names on here have for the most part been here. It's just a matter of who tops, who, um, you know, little spoiler alert, but we have a different number one this year. Um, so it's like, they're, they're constantly battling with one another. This honestly, this first base list looked like the catcher's list has for the past couple of years with guys like, you know, um, I'm blanking, but like JT Realmuto and Grandal and Contreras, like how they were constantly back and forth fighting for number one. But now it's first base where you could make cases for four or five guys to be the number one first baseman. So it's going to be a good conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, um, a little bit of housekeeping uh, regarding the podcast. So obviously we're still in off-season mode, but we – as I'm sure you fans realize, spring training is right around the corner. So we will be ramping up our episodes. We're only going to do one a week, but uh, 
you know, we will be consistent about it. Um, and obviously the same goes with the website. The, the one person I don't have to do housekeeping for is Trey because YouTube has been up and running uh, all year long. Well, all year, I guess, only means a month at this point. But since the beginning of last baseball season, YouTube has been up and running. So be sure to go subscribe to the Half Street High Heat YouTube channel if you don't already, which you should because there is great content coming out multiple times a week. And again, we will be coming at you with episodes and articles and all that good stuff. And obviously, when the season starts, we will continue doing our Twitter spaces as well. And then self-plug. Uh, I guess it's not a self-plug because we're a fan-sided podcast. Our fan-sided partner site, District on Deck, where I'm the site editor now. Uh, we are pumping out content every single day over there as well. Um, great staff of writers. Be sure to go check out districtondeck.com and follow us on Twitter at District on Deck for all the latest news and articles and just good old-fashioned baseball talk. And all that stuff. Um, and <laughs> I keep promising Amanda's gonna be back. You did hear on the Bob Carpenter episode, but we will get it back to our kind of like typical episode format once uh, we get closer to the season as well. For anyone asking about Amanda, which I don't know who would ask about Amanda. I mean, I don't know, but she will be back. Uh, we will be back as a trio. Uh, but in the meantime, you get Trey, who's kind of an upgrade. Like it's a nice little two for one trade. I would make that trade if I was GM. GM of Half Street High Heat trade two. I, I'm. I'm- I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, just a little bit of housekeeping just to kind of give you the state of affairs. We definitely took a break, but we're back now. We're back now. So no need to worry. Um, and then also one little last bit. So we are looking to add writers. I appreciate everyone that has submitted an inquiry or, you know, a sample article or what have you so far. We are like pleasantly surprised by the amount of interest we've gotten. And now we realize we have some work to do and like reviewing everyone's, uh, you know, entries and all that stuff. Cause unfortunately we can't bring you all on, but we definitely do want to bring some of you on and do appreciate the interest and all of the love and support you've given, uh, shown and whatnot for the podcast. So, uh, definitely appreciate that. And for anyone who has submitted stuff, just, hang with us. We will get through it because uh, we want to make sure we give everyone's submissions like a fair shake and, and all that stuff. So hang with us. And in the meantime, enjoy this top 10 first basin ranking starting at number one. Yeah, that's right. We're going with number one today, but we're not going to go 10 to one. We're just going to go right off the bat. The heavy hitter. I didn't even, I didn't even know that this is, this is, this is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. The number one, First baseman in the, I was going to say National Baseball League. That's not right. I got football on the brain. In the MLB is the reigning NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt. I had him ranked second. Trey had him ranked third. What are you doing, Trey? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and Ryan, who is not with us tonight, but he still contributes to these rankings and will definitely join us at some point, had Goldie first. So his consensus ranking comes in slightly actually he came in the tie with number two but the mvp tiebreaker lands him at number one last year again his mvp season 7.8 war 35 home runs 317 batting average 115 rbis 981 ops i mean this is who the cardinals traded for 
right? It's crazy to think that this is already his fourth season or we're going into his fifth season um, with St. Louis. Cause I just remember all those years in Arizona where I think he made like six straight all-star games and you know, everyone was like, Oh, is he going to win MVP? I think he had like three or four top five MVP finishes, a couple of top twos or top threes, gold glove, silver slugger. Everyone's like, this guy's going to win an MVP. And then he never did. He was constantly coming in second to someone's like phenomenal season, like to a, a Yelich's phenomenal season or, uh, you know, any of the, the big stretches of dominance you saw um, from the, the guys in the NL in that stretch. So then he goes to St. Louis, right? And, you know, age 31, 32, 33, you're like, damn, he's still very good, but you're like, he's probably past his MVP window. Then boom, age 34 wins MVP and deservedly so. I have always been a Goldschmidt fan. I think he does it, you know, at, at a position that isn't regarded for its defensive proclivity. Like Goldschmidt has always done it uh, defensively. He's always been a super well-rounded guy. And I remember the discourse when he first got to St. Louis, everyone's like, oh, this guy stinks. Well, his season where he quote unquote stunk 34 home runs, 97 RBIs and 821 OPS. Like, yeah, that's a down year for him, but that's a career year for like more than half the league. And, you know, he kind of gradually improved year after year as he got settled in St. Louis and fought through the COVID year. And boom, MVP guy. Trey, you had him at number three. What are your thoughts on Paul Goldschmidt? Uh, well, first, the first thing I'll say about having him at three is I kind of have the top for me, the kind top of like three. A tier. Yeah, for me, the top three guys on this list are pretty much interchangeable and on in a different week I could potentially have ranked someone else somewhere else so but yeah those top three guys are uh on a different level for me um obviously Goldschmidt has basically secured his spot in the hall of fame at this point I don't think it's that outlandish to say that after this this MVP season at age what 34 that's kind of ridiculous um he was obviously unbelievable last year hitting uh, he, he had the highest WRC plus in the national league, I believe. And, uh, he at one point was looking like he was going to slug over, uh, 600 before, uh, that number kind of came back down to earth. He still led the, the league in slugging at 578. Oh yeah. He was still unbelievable. Uh, but I'm a huge fan of Goldschmidt. And the only the only reason that I would have put him at three was just because some of his luck stats are like a little concerning in terms of regression back towards the mean. Uh, his ex woba, for example, was much higher or much lower, excuse me, than his actual woba. Uh, so that was pretty much the only thing. But like I said, it's pretty much a tiered thing for me with the, with these top three guys. Yeah, I think that's fair. And obviously, as we go through two through four, two through three, whatever, two and three, you know, we'll kind of talk about that. But it, looking at his advance, some of his advanced stats, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but like his BABIP wasn't like exceptionally higher than, you know, in years past. And, you know, <clears throat> some of his other advanced stats, like, you know, they're pretty comparable. So it's kind of, cool to once you do a deep dive 
to see how consistent he's been in like 2022 20, is just a year he put it all together. And I think he deserves to be number one right now. Will he be number one when we do this again in 2024? Probably not, but he's still going to be very solid in my eyes. Like, you know, you don't win an MVP after a full season for like no reason. And he, he's been, all right, let me, let me change the, uh, the conversation. Here's a good one. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt is currently at a 58 and a half career war. Is he a hall of famer? Oh yeah. Well, not, not if he retired right now, but will he be a hall of famer? I, well, uh, I think, I think he could retire right now and get close. I mean, geez, dudes put together a resume, but uh, you know, barring some catastrophic injury, he really, he doesn't even have to be that great for the rest of his career. He can be like, slightly above average hitter for the rest of his career play like four or five more seasons and he's in but i don't think he's gonna be uh slightly above average i think he's gonna be probably way way above average uh so then you're looking at a totally different hall of fame case where it's like is he first ballot and then then you got then you got something completely different i i honestly think if you if you're tired today he might make it in and that's saying a lot because i mean the hall of the way the hall of fame voting works is that's a whole yeah. other conversation. I'm not even going to get started. Yeah. With that, but I mean, <laughs> the other, the other thing that really annoys me is the hall of very good. Like, shut up. Yeah. Like, like the, the reason that conversation even started is because they were being way too selective in the first place. True. And that's, that's my opinion too. I'm a big hall type. Of yeah. And person. it's also like the, the players they were letting in before were like, they're kind of letting in and anybody. So then they kind of overcorrected. And now it's like, what are we talking about? Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, they're Hall of Famers. Like, what are we talking about? Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> is definitely a Hall of Famer. I think the MVP really solidified that now that he's finally won one. And, you know, because otherwise, like, obviously, World Series, you, that, that's a good thing to have on your resume. But I don't think that's it should be an indictment on, on Hall, uh, Hall of Fame resume either. But like he has everything else, like he has multiple top, you know, 10 top five finishes, gold gloves, silver sluggers, all star appearances. Uh, you know, he has a career OPS over 917. His career on base percentage is damn near 400. <laughs> like and he has the longevity. He's been doing this for 10 years. Like he has a 10 year stretch where he's done this and even his like rookie year in 2011 and his sophomore year in 2012, they were still very solid, like very solid. He's never really had like a, a catastrophic year. Again, his one quote unquote down year was that 2019 first year in St. Louis where he still hit 34 home runs and 97 RBIs and then 821 OPS. This dude's a hall of famer. Oh yeah. And the uh, last thing I'll say about Goldie is I actually, <laughs> I, I forgot, but I, I made a video about him like mid season last year. And I think I said something like, "If he get if he wins this MVP, that's pretty much seal seal the deal for the Hall of Fame." So I totally forgot I made that video, but now I'm plugging it so you guys can go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, link in the description below. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next guy who I believe I have to go back and look at last year's rankings. I believe he was number one last year and. Unsurprising. I want to say, say you're correct to anyone. Uh, number two on this list is Freddie Freeman. Again, he is in that tier with uh, Paul Goldschmidt. If anyone has Freddie Freeman first, 
that's fine. Like, we're not going to argue. In fact, Trey did have Freddie Freeman first. I had him third, again, tier thing. And Ryan had him second. So he came in a tie with Goldschmidt. But again, the MVP award swung the tiebreaker in Goldschmidt. Was our, was our top threes like all like <laughs> we all put them in different spots? I think. No, no, we didn't. Oh, okay. And, and okay. I'll talk about that. Even though he's not here to defend himself, I have a big problem with Ryan's. List. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. But, anyways, Freddie Freeman, 5.9 war last year, which honestly it might be considered a down year for Freddie Freeman, which is just absurd. Uh, near six war season is a down year for you. 325 uh, batting average, 100 RBIs, 918 OPS. Uh, like, I, I think because he didn't hit a, a million home runs, and not even a million, like he hit 31 in uh, his last season with the Braves, and he only hit 21 last year. So I think people are solely looking at that as a means to determine whether or not Freddie Freeman had a good season or not, which is just absurd because he, he led the league in runs, led the league in hits, led the league in doubles, led the league in on base percentage. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, Freddie Freeman is quite good, even still. Uh, like, yeah, he's a, entering his age 33 season. Like, I don't expect any drop off. Uh, from Freddie Freeman he's been doing this a very long time and if we're talking about Hall of Famers I do think Freddie Freeman has a little bit of voice he needs to have two more seasons in age 33 and 34 like Goldschmidt had it in age 33 and 34 and I think Freddie Freeman's a lock for the Hall of Fame as well oh for sure I'm I'm right there with you I think Freddie uh inevitably will make the Hall of Fame um and I had him at number one simply because uh, of the, you know, the consistency, obviously Goldie's been very consistent too, but I think Freddie Freeman in terms of all around play at the first base position is the best uh, in terms of uh, hitting for contact, hitting for power, plate, plate discipline, fielding, and most actually base running, which I did not know. He's a smart this base year. runner. He is an insanely good base runner and he had a ridiculous season base running. Um, you know, via Fangraphs BSR, which is a good metric. Not not perfect, but it's good. Uh, so, and obviously the the counting stats, 21 homers, that's not really Freeman type numbers, but then you got to remember where he's playing now. Uh, LA is definitely harder to hit home runs than uh, in Atlanta for sure. So uh, the, the WRC plus will back that up. He had a 157 WCR, uh, WCR, WRC plus. <laughs> so uh, he was still uh, excellent in terms of park adjusted stats. Not quite at Goldie's level last year, but uh, obviously going forward, I think just because the slight edge I give Freeman is just that he doesn't strike out. Uh, yeah, his <laughs> contact, his bad ball skills are insane. It's it's um, like, and obviously maybe it's a little different because we watched him against our team for so long and just saw him absolutely destroy us. But I, he he's just in term in terms of his hands and his, his bad to ball skills. Like you said, it's just uh, pretty much unbeatable. So that's why I had him at number one, but yeah, uh, he could be, you could interchange any of the top three, in my opinion. I remember seeing him at the home run derby in DC back in 2018 and he, he sucked, but because 
he was just roping doubles into the gap. <laughs> like yeah, his hit, batting, he was, he was going left center field. Yeah, his batting practice or like his home run was batting practice. He's just roping doubles into yeah. the gap. I it, promise it, you that all, every dude in that derby would rather hit the yep. double in the gap to the opposite field than just crushing pull side homers. Yeah, like, like it, it was. I guarantee you, they'd all want that skill. It was so funny to watch because you know Nats fan versus Braves player. Like obviously, I, I wanted him to struggle, but. Like as a baseball fan, I can appreciate. It. Like that dude is just such a pro. Like, like he's hitting <laughs> doubles into the gap to the biggest every time. Like, like he does it to showcase power. Like it's just every so funny. single time. It's crazy how consistent he can hit that particular batted ball, which is the hardest batted ball to get. Yeah, to, to have consistency with, and he's just able to do it. So especially left-handed. I mean, are you kidding me? All right. Yeah, honestly, that was going to be a, a thing I, I brought up. Like it's just an aesthetic thing there's no like real advantage or disadvantage to it but like a lefty first baseman is just for some reason if i had to pick yeah give me a lefty first baseman like all things considered give me a lefty first baseman (laughs) like i I don't know why and freeman is so like there's there's a little bit of a bump there too um all right so to explain my ranking of freddie freeman down at three i can't do so without talking about this next guy So it's all going to come full circle here. Number three on our list, which is entirely too low, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And for anyone that remembers our uh, conversation last year about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's my wagon brother. Like we just have straight up wagons and we stick together. So Vladimir Guerrero came came in at number one on my list. Uh, He came in at number two on trays and Ryan's. Ryan had him down at number four. No, I don't. I don't understand. Ryan. Ryan's. He won't. Oh, maybe he will admit it. Ryan. Ryan likes to. I wish he was here to be able to. Oh, he would have some. (laughs) Um, but I I think he'll probably admit it. Like Ryan has some sort of low key hatred. Might not be the right word, but he he likes poking holes in Blue Jays players like arguments for them. Like he's very anti Bo Bichette. He's revealed himself to be anti Vladimir Guerrero by ranking him fourth. Like Ryan just is not a fan of Blue Jays players. So I'm just like throwing out his list. And if you're just using mine and Trey's, as you should, Vladimir Guerrero is number one. That being said, I acknowledge last year was not his best year. Let me retort by saying that was his age 23 season. He is not even in his prime yet. So if you're, if you're, yeah, he's close. Like if you are factoring in projections to this, which, you know, we can only go off of what we've seen so far and can only project so much. But if you're projecting with these guys, Vladimir Guerrero probably will have the best season in his age 24 season versus like a 33 from Freddie or a 35 from Goldschmidt. And like breaking not breaking news but breaking news recently the blue jays are redefining the dimensions in uh the roger center bringing the fences in which is only going to help vladimir Guerrero jr so he's going to go from like a neutral park to a very hitter friendly park so don't be surprised if his numbers go crazy next year which listen people are going to say oh well that's you know it's because of the park, not really because of him. Yeah, well, you know, look at someone like Nick Castellanos who wanted specifically to go to a hitter-friendly park. 
right? Or, you know, any number of guys who value that aspect to where they go or like you can't always help where you play. Like it's not like Vladimir Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is redefining the dimensions of the outfield. But anyways, I, I expect him to pop off la or not last year, next year. Um, already a two-time all-star silver slugger gold glove all-star game MVP too. If you count that um, second MVP voting should have won. Don't care. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Does it all last year. 3.9 war 32 home runs, 97 RBIs, 818 OPS. Again, I expect all of those to improve. Um, and don't forget his 2021 season. What at age 22 was absolutely insane. 48 home runs OPS over a thousand. Uh, I I don't want to hear any arguments against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., my wagon brother. The wagon brother, indeed. Uh, for every every reason you said, I'm I'm right there with you, pretty much. Uh, you know, he didn't have the best year last year, which is why he's primed for the bounce back. It's he's due. It's very he's obvious due. that it's coming. So just get ready for it. But yeah, so his 2021 was was unbelievable, and if you think that's a one and done. I don't know what to tell you because this, like you said, he's you 23. He's 23. He's not even close to his prime yet. And he's already doing stuff like this. Uh, really anticipating a big bounce back from him. Uh, only a 132 WRC plus. That is not going to gonna be a thing next year. He's going way up. So I'm saying 150 minimum, uh, especially um, since his, his batted ball data was pretty similar to how it was in 2021 just had some worse luck uh and he also he did he, he did take a step back on the on-base uh front but that's honestly because that lineup is so strong you can't really pitch around him so i'm, I'm curious to see how that how he goes about the plate discipline factor um but i would anticipate he's not going to slug 480 again it's just not going to happen just why it's, it's, it's going to be, be surprise just get just get ready it's coming <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, you, you made a point about, um, his luck. He did kind of get unlucky last year. Like his, uh, BABIP went down like 30 points, which, you know, has a trickle down effect, especially in clutch, clutch situations. And his ground ball percentage went up like 7%. So I don't know if he's been hanging around Darnell Coles too much or what, um, but I, I do think there will be kind of a progression towards the mean and somewhere in between 2021 and 2022 is going to be what we see in 2023. So, you know, just trying to guesstimate like an OPS around 900, little above 900, you know, close to 40 home runs. Like, I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, if you give me 40 home runs and a 900 OPS, like, yeah, I would take that, especially if the guy's 24. Yeah. He's definitely getting 40 next year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With all the reasons I mentioned earlier, he's getting above 40, like what I'm talking about. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyways, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the disrespect on the show, even though it's not on the show because Ryan's not here, is outrageous. He deserves to be number one. Um, but he comes in the number three on our list. All right, moving on to number four is an well, I guess it's not another because Peter or not Pete Alonzo. It is Pete Alonzo, but I was gonna say. Freddie Freeman's not in their division anymore, but it is a NL East rival, Pete Alonzo. Low-key, one of the most annoying players in baseball. (laughs) I Um, knew you were going to go right for that. And it pains me because he's a Florida guy. 
So it's like, I, I want to like him. And I, I guarantee you, if he was on the Nats, I would like him. But uh, because he's on the Mets, he's very annoying. And he just fits right. He fits too well with uh, the culture the Mets provide. But anyways, 2022 season for Pete Alonso had a 4.4 war, 40 home runs, 131 RBIs, and an 869 OPS. Um, it, it's kind of crazy how muddled a season like Pete Alonso had in 2022 can be overshadowed by guys like Goldschmidt and Freeman. But here we are. He did lead the league in RBI, so with 131 stacked Mets lineup. I mean, that could very well be the case again this year. Um, but it's just crazy how he's not an afterthought. Like he's ranked fourth on our list, but it is kind of crazy to see how Pete Alonso really isn't in that conversation for top three, at least in my mind. I don't know if you disagree. Uh, yeah, he's definitely like on my second tier of guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, for sure. But he's still an excellent player. Uh, Alonzo has been since he debuted in the league has been uh, cutting down his his chase rate and his his K percentage each year, even uh, in 21, where he kind of had like a down year. Uh, he, he was still improving that. And I think that that finally came through last season. Uh, just having a strikeout rate below 20% and still hitting 40 home runs is pretty ridiculous. Um, his flaw is that he is one of the worst defenders in the league, but yeah. uh, luckily his bat is good enough to make up for that. So uh, I definitely, I think, I think I had him at four. Yeah, you did. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm in agreement with this, with this placement for sure. Yeah. I had him at four. You had him at four. Ryan him at three. Like, <clears throat> all right, here's my argument. If someone walks up to you on the street, not a Mets fan, you, you got to qualify with that. Not a Mets fan. And they say Pete Alonso is better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, what's your response? Because I'm calling that person out of their mind. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you there are arguments, I guess. But in terms of projecting the future, I can't. I don't get it. But right. uh I'm, yeah, sure, so, I'm sure Ryan would give us a good explanation. if you Well, know. he's not here, so we're just going to pile on. Yeah, we can. Just um, <laughs> but yeah, like Pete Alonzo is fine. Like you got to give him his flowers. I mean, his like Trey, you said his strikeout percentage has dropped 8% since his uh, rookie year back in 2019. Like it's below 20 now at 18.7%. Uh, you know, he's not getting like exceptionally lucky. His BABIP has remained kind of the same as it's been since his rookie year. Um, you know, all of his advanced metrics, like that kind of even things out, right? Like Woba and stuff like that. Like they're all pretty consistent. And so that just goes to show that he's a very consistent player entering his fifth year in this, in the, in the league. Um, so it just, it's annoying because he, he is so annoying, but Pete Alonso <laughs> pretty good, pretty good at the, yeah, the a, baseball must be that, a, uh, a goof. That that Florida athleticism, go Gators. Um, but anyways, moving on. It it also is funny. I think he's the well, yeah, he's the fourth guy in this list. But I'm looking at these advanced metrics. Everyone had a lower exit velocity uh, in 2022 than the year prior so far. So it's like, uh, wonder what's going on with the baseballs. Hmm. Yeah, well, there was multiple things going on with them apparently but yeah well, again well, that's like a full conversation for yeah, another day wonder, wonder what's going on there with some of the best hitters <laughs> in the game i was just suddenly all of them had a like a two mile an hour drop in uh x velocity huh doesn't seem about right 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Here's where the conversation starts for me, uh, because it was pretty easy to determine, like the order had to be determined, but it's pretty easy to determine who was going to be in the top three. It's pretty easy to put Pete Alonzo, you know, on the fringe of tier one and tier two. Um, after that, it got to a conversation. You know, there's plenty of guys who arguably could be tier one if they just kind of put it all together. And then there's plenty of guys that could, or like, you know, do project to get there. Should they, you know, repeat or anything like that. Um, but number five on the list, it has always been one of my favorite players. Granted, he's on a Braves now, so it, it's tough to continue Sucks. that <laughs> uh, support. But he was actually my preseason MVP pick last year. And I did so because I wanted to be bold, obviously. But I thought in that Braves offense, like he would take off and not hitting in the Coliseum anymore. And that is obviously Matt Olson. Uh, your not your there Atlanta Braves first baseman last year, 3.3 war, 34 home runs, 103 RBIs, only at a 240 batting average. If you care about that and an 802 OPS. So down numbers for him. Like if you had told me Matt Olson was going to hit worse at truest park than he did in the Coliseum, I, I wouldn't have believed you. Like I just didn't think there was any way he, he was going to do worse. And it's not like he just did a little worse, like there's a significant drop off and he played 162 games. Like you can't really like, maybe he played through injury during the season at times, but like there wasn't one massive injury that kind of hindered his uh, performance or anything like that. Like, yeah, 34 home runs and 103 RBIs is still good, but it's like he was in that conversation for me and for a lot of people of, all right, Matt Olson could be the best first baseman in, in baseball, like in a year or two, once he has that full season and he still could, but it's like now after 2022, he's really taken himself out of that tier one conversation. Uh, he's still in tier two in my mind, but like, it, it's kind of just like, man, what happened to our boy? What, what happened to Matt Olson? the goddamn he moved to the dark side yeah i was gonna yeah. say it was the braves i answered my he own he went <laughs> he went to atlanta now but uh i actually really like the spot for matt olson um you on, say that on as you ranked him in like eighth i i i did i did seventh. rank him rank him down uh lower than fifth but um i like the spot because i do see the rule of seconds potentially coming into play like we've seen from guys like arenado and goldschmidt for example where it just takes some guys some time to settle in in a new spot. So yeah, uh, it's it's entirely possible that he gets the big bounce back next year and hits like he did in 21. And then it's like if he does that, now he's in a good ballpark to hit. So uh, that's definitely he he definitely has a, a high ceiling in terms of what he could get to. Uh, I was just I was a little disappointed in the. Uh, the lack of consistency from from him hitting wise, he was very streaky last year. He would go on a big run and hit hit some homers. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the year he was leading the league in doubles. Uh, yeah, and then he had some some other stretches where he was striking out a ton. Uh, so that was definitely an issue. Uh, you know, as a Nats fan, I kind of hope that he doesn't reach that next level again, but I definitely could see it happening. Uh, and I love Matt Olson. I did love Matt Olson before he got traded there because 
He's got such. I think we mentioned this last year, but he's his swing is so pretty. <laughs> like he has one of the most. And... I've talked about this before in the show. I think you and I actually talked about we this. Defi- we we definitely because I, I remember year. getting the bat as a prop. It was a YouTube video. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's right. I, like, video it's like very away from it as I move the mic farther away from my mouth. But like it's very away from his body, and he bring, reels it in at the last second. It's just like a smooth, level swing. That creates a natural rhythm. launch angle. Yeah, it's one of the most aesthetically pleasing swings. Um, but yeah, to your point about strikeout percentage, he was at, at a great 16.8% clip uh, in 2021, and that jumped up to a 24% clip last year. And obviously, you know, his, his walk percentage went down uh, because of that. So it's just call yeah, it and you I, know, I just could... a, an adjustment period. But yeah, it was big difference. Exactly. I think the adjustment period that's valid because uh again he was also he also switched leagues. Uh that's yeah. that's something that's not going to be as big of a deal anymore coming up but it still was he was still not used to seeing all the National League pitching as much as often as he did when he was in Oakland so just getting that extra experience will probably be really helpful for him. Yeah, and outside of the you know when he was in Oakland outside of the Astros like what pitching is in that division? Like Shohei, yeah, I guess, that's... but like, who's who would be if you were put take out the Astros, right, and put together a team of the the four other uh, teams out of the division? Who's the ace? Like, if it's not Shohei, I mean, like yeah, he, he was getting someone on the Mariners, four, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> now well, I guess now, but like when he was playing, yeah. you know, it's like he was getting forty to fifty games. Maybe it's not that much math, but like 40-ish games against very weak pitching in his own division. So I I, I still think he's a good first baseman. I'm not trying to like say this to undermine his performance or anything like that. But yeah, there definitely is uh, a reason to believe it's just an adjustment period and he needs to get used to playing in the NL East with all of these monsters all the the best pitchers all all of you know you know your well now justin verlander max scherzer patrick corbin like all of the best pitchers in the world right um (laughs) and uh, absolutely yeah yeah we will put him right there in the (laughs) right there neck and neck neck and neck all right uh before we move on that's why i'm really mad about the uh the top 10 list that i saw earlier because corbin wasn't on it what the hell (laughs) what he's the best MLB Network, my ass. Um, <laughs> all right, before we move on to six or 10, let's get a word from our sponsors. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to number six on the top 10 first baseman in, in baseball currently. Obviously, this list is subject to change, especially if we are wrong. Number six on this list is another familiar face when it comes to the top 10 first baseman or just, you know, the best first baseman in baseball because he's been doing it for a long time. Uh, Jose Abreu, new member of the Houston Astros. And he's kind of another one where I think people looked at solely the home run total totals uh between 2021 and 2022 and they just kind of wrote him off but if you look at basically any other statistic you're like oh jose abreu like had a very fine season uh last year three or sorry 4.2 war only 15 home runs he had 30 back in 2021 75 rbis 824 ops 133 ops plus like if the astros go out and get you right like it was kind of no uh, well-kept secret that the Astros were going to be in the market for a first baseman this off season. And, you know, everyone was mocking different fits there. I know Trey Mancini was a popular pick. Josh Bell was a popular pick. They went out before either of those guys signed before, like any of the first baseman signed. I think it might've even been before Anthony Rizzo signed and they went out and signed Jose Abreu. So if the Astros are identifying that this is a guy that they don't, want to just have for one year not two years but three years he's clearly still very good at baseball and yeah he's going to be more like of of a dh role uh because he's entering his age 36 season but like he is still very good and you know for these purposes we're going to put him in first base but he's still very good is he tier one no but like he's top 20 finishes the past three years obviously or sorry past four years and obviously had the MVP win in the shortened 2020 campaign. Is he going to put up a 987 OPS over a full season? No. But like, if he's still mid 800s, he belongs on this list and he shouldn't really go anywhere. Uh, I'm definitely with you on keeping him, uh, keeping him in the top 10 for the foreseeable future. I think the one thing that concerns me about Abreu is that home run total coming way down. Um, because that was something that the metrics kind of saw last year with his average exit velocity and hard hit percentages. 
however, he made up for that by hitting over 300. So if he can, you know, yeah, if he's more bat to ball, then yeah, we're fine. If he's more, if he's going to be more contact oriented, bat to ball, his K rate was only 16%. So that's huge. Uh, and he has the skills to, to hit like that. So if he if he transitions into more of a bat-to-ball contact, spray the ball all over the place type of hitter, uh, he's he'll still have plenty of success left in his career. I also like the fit here with the Astros. Those Crawford boxes should help boost that home run total up a little bit. Uh, so yep. that that'll that'll help. But yeah, the uh, the the batting average being over 300 is definitely the part of this that has me more excited because. I think he is going to have to change his approach and I think he can uh, as he did last year. So uh, we'll see, maybe the power comes back and we're, we're completely wrong, but it would make sense if it starts to wane a bit as he is getting into his late, later thirties, uh, but still a great player. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah, like you, you brought it up and I always bring up CC Sabathia when I talk about this, just the transition from one style of play to another. Uh, Cause I was a huge CC Sabathia fan. Like while he was in his prime, like that's really when I started getting into baseball, you know, when he was, I, I still remember he was a freaking beast. Yeah. Like <laughs> not to go off on too far of a tangent here, but when he got traded to Milwaukee and he went on that insane oh, second yeah. half run before he hit free agency and obviously ultimately signed with the Yankees like that. I can't remember what year they won the 09. So it must've been 08. Uh, his he pretty much carried that team to the playoffs by himself. Uh, he was like nine and one with like a 0.78 ERA. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Anyway, but like that's who he was, right? And then later in his Yankees career, and obviously later in his career, he had to pitch to contact. And like, yeah, he had a ERA in the high threes and fours, but he was still like eating innings. And it was just really cool to see one of the game's best like adapt the game. And that's why he was one of the game's best is because he could adapt his game and he didn't need to strike everyone out to be effective. Was he a Cy Young guy at that point? No, but like he was still very effective on very competitive teams. Like that, that says something. And we might be seeing the same with Jose Abreu. Like he might not be a 30 to 35 home run guy anymore, but this is 2022. If he's going to have a K rate at just 16%, and he had a, a walk rate that was like the second highest of his career. And, you know, he's going to hit over 300. He got a little lucky in BABIP last year. Not like huge outlier, but it was certainly higher than 2021. If all of these things are going to continue, like we might be seeing Jose Abreu shift his game to a bat-to-ball contact guy that's just super effective. He focuses more on getting on base than, you know, being the cleanup hitter, like, we might be seeing kind of a it's not a renaissance because renaissance implies like he disappeared for a year or years or whatever but he he's going to be very solid on what still should be somehow a very good team yeah and uh real quick it actually would make sense for him to adjust his approach like this because he doesn't have to be the cleanup guy anymore there's a dude named jordan alvarez (laughs) who uh hits balls to the moon like every time he touches it so uh, actually being on base for him is definitely going to be more valuable. So if he uh, continues to have an on-base contact oriented mindset, uh, and obviously he'll still get his doubles. Uh, he's a very big good double gap guy. to gap hitter. Yeah. So he's still going to have power, but just might not be as much, but yeah, if he's on base for Jordan, they're going to like that the way that probably works out. God, the home run Jordan hit off Robbie Ray in the wildcard series. Still it, it's so funny when that, free in my I was, mind. I was watching with my friend and we both were like, this is over. (laughs) 
and then, the series, whatever it was. Yeah, like it's like everyone knew it was over. Like I get like, the why? thought. Uh, was it I Scott surveys? <laughs> I get the the, yeah, the no, thought I, on I paper, don't. on paper to go lefty lefty. Not Any, anyone could see that was not going to end well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was bad. Anyways, all right. Speaking of guys with uh, enormous power, this guy put it together last season, and that is Nathaniel Lowe. If you don't know him, he's the Texas Rangers first baseman, and he might be a name you want to keep an eye on moving forward as he is just entering his age 27 season, what should be you know the prime of his offensive output uh, last year. 3.3 war, 27 home runs, 76 RBIs on what was a bad team. So now that they should have more competitive games, those numbers might improve. 851 OP, OPS, 141 OPS plus. This is a guy, I think, yeah, you you like a lot, Trey. So I'll let you take the, the wheel on this. Nathaniel Lowe, like, he could be something. Uh, absolutely. Uh and I think it's really interesting to think about the fact that this guy is only 27 because I remember when he came up with Tampa and, and then I remember him being traded and just, it feel, I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that it was before 2020 and everything feels so far away right. from before that year. But uh, yeah, he's still, he's still a young guy. And I think that it's, he had an interesting approach to uh, change last season. And normally I wouldn't like it cause I like on base. I like walks, but he actually, Got a little bit more aggressive at the plate. Um, 2021, for example, his walk rate was 12.5%. He actually cut that by 5% to 7.4. Uh, and the aggression in his approach actually helped him a lot uh, with hitting more good pitches. Uh, his, pro- his One of his main issues was just taking strikes that were good enough to hit, like pitches he wants to hit. And that kind of uh, shifted last year when he got more aggressive and really unlocked his power, uh, his consistent power. And, uh, you know, first base, I like good first base defense, but it's not a huge deal for me. And I mean, I know Nate Lowe's defense is bad. There's no doubt. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of WRC plus and in terms of hitting, he's right up there uh, in the top five of WRC plus. He had the same WRC plus as Pete Alonzo, for example, last season. Uh, so that should tell you a little bit of something. Uh, and again, there there is some babip help here that he's getting uh, if you just look at the numbers but i really think that has to do with his approach becoming more of an aggressive hitter who sp- spread the ball out he he wasn't just a pull guy uh he had great gap to gap power and uh, i really like low going forward in the middle of a pr- what is probably going to be a pretty good lineup yeah I, I think it's super underrated everyone's focusing on that pitching staff with now Degrom and Evaldi and Perez still there and guys like that but that that lineup is going to be what they need to really compete this year and I think Nathaniel Lowe will be a decent part of that it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to drop his K rate because even at 22 percent it's not as bad as it was back in like 2020 when it was near 37 percent but it's still kind of high for like this sustained output Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he continues to refine that because his walk percentage went down a lot too and you you kind of address it with him being more aggressive, but it'll just be interesting to see how his game continues to evolve or adapt or, you know, grow over these next couple of years. So this is a, this is a big year for him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as, you know, he potentially continues to climb this list. I realized I didn't give the, the rankings. I had him seventh. You had him fifth and Ryan had him 10th. So 
just mm. more reason to not agree with Ryan's list. All right, moving on to number eight on our list is another guy. Honestly, I, I view him very similar to Nathaniel Lowe and kind of the we weren't sure he was ever going to get there type thing. He started with one team, ended up with another team type deal, and that's Christian Walker. Although Walker is older, he's entering his age 32 season. He had a pretty good year last year with Arizona. 5.1 war, 36 home runs at a very tough home run hitting ballpark. 94 RBIs, 804 OPS, just very solid. And I'm sure Diamondbacks fans, if there's any out there, I've literally never met one in my life. Uh, I'm sure Diamondbacks fans are, are glad to see that Walker finally put it together for one full season because he was very streaky earlier in his career. He's been with Arizona for six years, um, started in Baltimore, but you weren't sure he was ever going to have a season like this, and he did. And now he's someone you can probably depend upon. I don't know if the Diamondbacks are going to be good. I, I would doubt it, but you know they they seem to have years out of nowhere where they're like, oh, all of a sudden, yeah, let's compete for the wild card and see how we do. So Christian Walker might be an important piece for them. Uh, he's definitely an important piece. In my opinion, he's the anchor of that lineup in the middle of that order. And it's actually interesting when you look at his history in Arizona – it, when he's healthy, he's great. It's it's a matter of staying on the field consistently. Uh, and last year he did that. He played 160 games. So that's that's great that he was able to put together a season like that. Um, and I know I just said I don't really care that much about first base defense. But if you want to care about first base defense, watch this guy play because he's unbelievable over there. Uh, he was by far the best defensive first baseman in 2022. Uh, in terms of hitting, he has amazing raw power. Uh, he's a little bit of a one note type of hitter though. He's going to give you either a home run, uh, a walk or a strikeout. Although he brought his K rate under 20% last year or, or yeah, his K rate under 20% last year. So that could be shifting as well, but he was still definitely, uh, I'm going to hit the ball over the fence or I'm going to strike out or get out type of guy. So that was kind of his, his thing, but he did, uh, have 36 homers. Uh, so that is, uh, pretty high so that's definitely good uh going forward for them but yeah he's a he's a great guy to have in the middle of that order yeah uh could uh use a guy like that on that if you yeah you know wouldn't mind but could use yeah. a lot of things on the <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure and from the diamondbacks of all places all right moving on to number nine on our list is a guy that's probably been an inhabitant of this list for quite some time um and honestly has kind of adapted his game uh, a little bit in as he gets older, but probably not in the way you would expect. And that's Anthony Rizzo, former Chicago Cub, current New York Yankee, as they re-signed him to a lucrative two-year contract. Um, Anthony Rizzo. So if you go back before I tell you, you know, his 2022 stats, if you go back, let's go back to 2019 because that was pre-COVID year and 2021 he was traded. So, Let's go back to 2019, which seems like forever ago, but whatever. 293, 405, 524, 924 OPS, which is probably his best year, um, you know, statistically. 27 home runs, 94 RBIs, like very, very solid season. It was his age 29 year. Then obviously COVID gets traded last year. And this will be one of my many arguments as to why people should not put too much stock into batting average. Because he only hit 224, and you're like, oh, he had a terrible year. Not the case. OBP down, like he had a 405 OBP in 2019, which is exceptional. 
his career is 366 and uh he had a 338 OBP last year. People were like, oh, he did terrible. Again, not the case. Still slug 480, 817 OPS, 32 home runs, 75 RBIs, still playing great defense. And I think in his case, he's just taking advantage of Yankee Stadium. He sees that short porch out there in right field, or yeah, right field. And he screw it. Like, why wouldn't you take advantage of that as a lefty hitter? Like, just try to hit bombs. Like he had he tied his career high in home runs last year in his age 32 year. Like, which uh, make him sound like he's a grandpa, but like you would expect some decline in power, especially after he only hit 27 and then 22 home runs in, in 2021. No one was really expecting 32 from him last year, but he adapted his game. He's taking advantage of his ballpark, as I expect a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to do. And he had good offensive output. It was just looked different from how you would expect Anthony Rizzo to perform. And, but it doesn't mean it wasn't good. It doesn't mean it wasn't effective. And I, I, I think... Anthony Rizzo belongs on this, on this list. I had him eighth. Trey, you had him ninth. And Ryan, unsurprisingly, had him off the list. But what do you think about Anthony Rizzo? Uh, I think everything you said about the approach shift is definitely accurate. He's started to pull the ball more in an attempt to hit more home runs at Yankee Stadium. And it's funny that he tied his career high in homers and he missed 30 games. So it's definitely something that's working for him clearly. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely a different type of Anthony Rizzo because he's, he's always been a guy and he still is who puts the ball in play a lot, but um, he he's not definitely not going opposite field as much anymore. And normally that would be an issue, but in, he's kind of done what Joey Votto did in his yep. 2021 season. Great comparison where they were just like, okay, we're going to sell out. We're going to hit homers. It's that simple. Homers are good. We're going to just do that. And uh, it definitely worked out for him. And uh, I think that he's a perfect fit for that squad. 100%. Mainly because he can embrace his inner Italian. He can go, <laughs> exactly. you know, drop two home runs and five RBIs and then go sell you cold cuts at your local bodega. Like, you know, he's just a perfect fit for the Yankees. And I think he was a must re-sign for them in addition to Aaron Judge, obviously. But uh, he he, no, he was definitely the the, well. the must the definitely the number one must resign guy for sure definitely not that other guy <laughs> yeah not at all other guys way overpaid yeah, he's gone, a bomb should have uh arson judge should have gone to the giants <laughs> like he was supposed to um i still can't believe that was real yeah there's a bunch of things i can't you know who we let off too easily ken rosenthal for the whole max scherzer to the padres debacle people forget that I haven't did forgotten happen ken I haven't did forgotten. Happen. Yeah, that did happen. I, can you I, I actually did forget. <laughs> can you imagine? This is a weird alternate reality that I want you to explore with me really quick. Can you imagine if that trade Scherzer and I don't, I would assume it would have included Turner. If they get traded to the Padres in 2021, does Soto get traded in 2022? Probably, but like, do the the Cardinals didn't seem like they're ever going to pay up. Like, maybe the Dodgers do. Like in twenty twenty two, maybe the roles just reverse. It's also, well, it's also interesting to think: would we have gotten any of the guys that we have now from that trade? Well, that's what I'm, <laughs> you, you definitely would have gotten. I, you wouldn't have gotten all of them, obviously. Yeah, it'd be but, different, but yeah, you would have gotten some of them. Like, yeah, for I sure. don't know if you would have gotten James Wood, but you probably would have gotten Hassel and maybe Susanna, and you know. 
like I, I would assume I probably Mackenzie Gore, if not, you know, um, Ryan Weathers or, or someone. Well, like, also, you know, if they got Turner, then Abrams probably. Well, I don't know. They were really high on Abrams back then. Yeah, but I guess if you're getting Turner, you would have. They tried to side and trade Turner this year. Well, yeah, they didn't true. have C.J. Abrams, but they had Fernando Tatis. So it's and then they obviously signed Xander Bogart. So it's like I don't think Turner would have dissuaded them or anything, or Abrams would have dissuaded them from trading for for Turner. But it's just like such a weird reality because like the Padres kind of seem like the only team willing to pay up prospect wise, capitalize for Soto. Because I know everyone was like, "Oh, Nolan Gorman or Jordan Walker from the Cardinals." That was mine. I was like, "You got to really have Jordan great. Walker, man." It would be really, really great, and I agreed. But they didn't seem like they were ever really committed to to doing that. I think it's fair of them to do that. He's that that kid is going to be a star. Oh yeah, that's fine. Like <laughs> I, I I don't blame them. Um, but it, it's just like a weird alternate reality. Like, would anyone have paid up for Soto? It is an interesting know. thought experiment. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, anyways, let's round out this list. So here is basically where honorable mentions start because everyone we talked about, we each had a different number 10. I actually had this guy number nine, which is why he comes in at number 10, because you and Ryan had your own number 10s. Um, and then I had this guy ninth. So he was able to slide in for the honorable, get that last spot of the honorable mention, so to speak. That is Ty France. And I know historically you have been a Ty France guy, so I was a little bit surprised to see him off your list. And I know he's kind of a Swiss Army knife, but he does play the majority of his games at first base. Um, last year, 3.1 war, 274 batting average, 83 RBIs, 20 home runs, uh, 774 OPS. Like he wasn't popping off the charts. Um, offensively but he was part of a very good mariners team he has very good positional flexibility um which i'm factoring into this like even though like you said earlier defense isn't a prerequisite for being on this list like catching would be uh like we talked about last week or the week before whenever it was but i like ty france a lot and if i'm comparing him to a guy like your guy who i'm sure you'll talk about in a minute who's kind of a, a young guy who you you're projecting more right? Rather than seeing a guy like Ty France, who's been very solid ever since he became a starter in this league. Like I'm taking Ty France. I, th I think, you know, his versatility and his consistency, even though he's not going to win MVP, like it doesn't mean he's not a good first baseman. And I like this guy a lot. Um, you know, he, he, he does a lot of things well, and I think that needs to be rewarded on a list like this. Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, okay with having him on the list. He would have been just right outside of mine. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely in that tier of guys that's like just right there, number 10 slash honorable mentions. But uh, I think the, on the only issue I had with France is how much he slowed down uh, after that great first half that he had. He, yeah, he, he did have a rough second half. He, he definitely stumbled into the postseason. Uh, luckily his teammates were able to pick him up because he had picked them up in the first half of the year. So, uh, he basically kept them afloat until they figured it out. Um, but yeah, he just, he kind of, he kind of struggled towards the end of the season. And I don't love that going into another season. Uh, obviously they can make adjustments and figure that stuff out, but that's just a personal thing for me. But yeah, that first half was, was truly elite. Uh, and he's definitely a 
he's going to be a cons- I just don't think his ceiling is super high, but you're going to get a fair. consistent floor from him probably at, at that level or, or his 2021 level, which is a good player. So uh, he's definitely uh, worthy of being on the list for sure. Yeah, he's definitely a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy like that. That's a good way of putting it. But again, I, I do think he, he deserves his flowers. And honestly, hand up, being honest here, I did mess up the rankings now that I'm looking at it. There was a guy that Ryan had ranked all the way seventh that oh. I forgot to. But he would have gotten the tiebreaker of Ty France. But again, this is kind of our honorable mention category anyways. Uh, Josh Bell. Oh, it's, I, I, I love it. I, yeah. I, this is the first pick that I love from Ryan here. This is Josh <laughs> Bell pick because Josh Bell would have been my number 11. Yeah, I love Josh Bell. I freaking love the fit with the Guardians, too. I think that's such Agreed. a good get for them. And I really think that's going to it's just going to free him up to to he doesn't have to worry about hitting home runs in in Cleveland. And I, I think he's at his best when he's spreading the ball all over the field like he did in mm-hmm. the first half last year with the Nats. Uh, and obviously he'll have a consistent role there. Uh, when he when he went to San Diego, uh, he wasn't playing every day. So that definitely didn't help. And he also got off to a ridiculously slow start with them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I <laughs> seven, that's that's pretty that's that's definitely I I hope it happens personally. Yeah, no, you you made a good point with Ty France. I, I like hindsight, I forgot how much he struggled in the second half. I was solely focused on that hot first half. But the same argument can be made for Josh Bell. Like in my case, mm-hmm. like he had a very hot first half with the Nats, um, and then a very bad <laughs> second half with the Padres, which I guess is just what stuck in my mind. Um, but I love Josh Bell. I have no problem with this pick. Like you said, uh, I, I think the fit with the guardians is perfect. I d- didn't shock me at all when he signed. Honestly, the part that shocked me was just the guardians paying up for him. Um, but I, I think the fit is great. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. Um, and yeah, he, he belongs in this conversation without a doubt. Uh, so good pick Ryan. I'll give you one ounce <laughs> of credit on this episode. Um, some other honorable mentions that we're not going to dive too deep into, but CJ Cron, uh, Reese Hoskins. Um, I, I there's one more anyways. Um, but then there is one more that Trey wants to talk about your guy, Vinny P Vinny P I am fully invested in the Vinny P hype train. Um, he, you know, he played half the season last year and it was a great half of the season. He's a really young player on a really young team that I'm actually starting to buy into little by little that Royals, that Royals core. I don't think they're going to be a playoff squad or anything, but I could see them overperforming and, and potentially reaching 80 wins if all goes well. Um, but, and, and if all does go well, it would have to start with Bobby Witt and Vinny Pasquantino because uh, this guy has a, such a mature approach at the plate. Uh, he walks more than he strikes out as a f- power hitting first baseman. Uh, that's pretty a rare combo and you're, you know you're looking at guys like freeman who can do that and with like the the high contact he doesn't have the same bat to ball skills as freddie freeman obviously but in in terms of the uh walks and k percentage kind of kind of similar in that vein uh and i just i i really like his power potential he had a 137 wrc plus in his rookie season that obviously was in a you know, a smaller sample size, but uh, he's hit like this in his entire minor league career. He's always been a guy who walks more than he strikes out. 
He puts the ball in play and he still hits for a good, good amount of power. Uh, in terms of home runs, he might not jump off the page to you. I think he's going to be a, more of a guy who, you know, gets 20 to 25. Uh, but gap to gap power is there. He uh, he's hit 295. He can hit for average. So uh, I'm super excited for him. He also just uh, seems like a really nice guy. So uh, he's got a good personality. I like to root for guys like that. So I'm hoping that uh, he's going to be able to, uh, you know, have a big season and make me look really smart. Didn't realize this was the nice guys list. What is okay, this? It's the nice and also really good players <laughs> guys list for me. Which is why uh, Joey Manessis did not make appearance. <laughs> hey, come on. Do we have to throw in the Joey shade? Absolutely. I, I, I didn't get to do it you, this episode. And obviously if Ryan was here, he'd do the same thing. Exactly. I'm outnumbered on, on that one. I mean, steroid Joe is just not. <laughs> he does not belong on this list. Steroid uh, Joe. Damn. I, I, I mean... Know. I mean, I can't, I, I'm not wrong. Technically, technically, literally not wrong. <laughs> um, but anyways, to recap the top 10, I'm sure all the Nats fans listening are going to love that. Hey, oh, yeah. I'm sure, I, <laughs> I'm sure they won't have anything to say regarding that. Um, recap the top 10. Number 10, I guess technically Josh Bell. So when you do these rankings, I, I don't know if it's too late. <laughs> to, it is too late. <laughs> all right. Anyways, so number 10, Ty France. Um, congratulations to Mr. France. Uh, number nine, Anthony Rizzo. Number eight, Christian Walker. Number seven, Nathaniel Lowe. Number six, Jose Abreu. Number five, Matt Olson. Number four, Pete Alonso. Number three, unfortunately, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Should be higher. Uh, number two, Freddie Freeman. And number one, Paul Goldschmidt. And it'll be interesting to see how much these rankings change next year once everyone, you know, it's like who had the best season last year. That's basically how these rankings work. But anyways, next week or, you know, whenever we decide to get our act together, second baseman, which kind of an interesting, it's always been an interesting discussion. Cause it's like, who's going to step up. And some guys have switched from short to second. Now, um, like a guy like uh, Marcus Simeon is now firmly a second baseman where you shortstop before. And um, Luisa rise is now in that vein. Right. Right. So there, it's going to be an interesting conversation, inter- interesting uh, thought process to our ranking. So be sure to check that out. And of course, um, if you're listening to this, we appreciate you, but be sure to check out the nice, condensed, uh, visually appealing YouTube video Trey puts out of the top first baseman in baseball um, this weekend or whenever, whenever you, you do it. Um, basically, whenever I can finish it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I was trying not to like commit you to anything like too soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I try to put a deadline in my head, and then I always like add thirty things. So it doesn't and happens. Yeah, happens. But anyways. turned out pretty good that uh, last <laughs> oh, time. Oh, last so week was I'm gonna, awesome. I'm gonna keep putting the effort in for sure. Yeah, if you listen to the top catchers episode again, we thank you. But go check out the top ten catchers video that Trey did about our episode. Um, and it's like six minutes long. It's perfect length, and like it, it's just very well done. The Thank craftsmanship you. is just chef kiss. Um, <laughs> I appreciate so it. Be sure to go check that out. And of course, subscribe to Half Street High Heat on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at Half Street High Heat. Um, and myself at the Coach Moose, Trey at Reverse. Um, and then everyone else, you know who they are. Be sure you follow them as well and check out all of our latest work on HalfStreetHighHeat.com. Trey, you got anything else before we head out? Just ready for pitchers and catchers to report this month it is now Soon. february officially baby um I'm get, i've been i've been hype but now i'm real hype real hype you can feel it coming 
Yeah, we're getting it going here. It's baseball season, baby. Little little singing, little. Thanks for serenading our viewers. Yeah, yeah. that was perfect. It's not quite a uh... or listeners. Sorry, I'm a YouTube guy. <laughs> it's not quite a Macbeth rap, but it'll have to. <laughs> oh do. no, don't no. That was private. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for this episode. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check us out next week. We actually have a second episode coming out this week i don't know when i'm gonna air this we have an episode coming out this week uh as well so we're getting back into it staying stay with us uh we'll get it together don't worry all right that does it for this episode later there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the potomac a new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go Nats. we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done